or meet until Easter. So that's where you get those kinds of, of terms that are somewhat familiar, but usually an opportunity for a local bar to offer drinks at some a reduced price so that you can get uh, absolutely uh, uh, neutered <laughs> so that you can't even recognize that Easter is coming or what the meaning of it is. Now, we, uh, sometimes we fast during this period of time of Lent, and we, uh, we don't eat certain things, or we might even fast for uh, days to prepare ourselves uh, for this. And I want you to know that I think that's a good thing to fast and pray, as Scripture talks about it. Um, if with your doctor's uh, support, I think it's healthy uh, for many of us to do that. But I want to remind you that when you fast, uh, you're to give up something to do that and uh, replace that with prayer and, or your offering or something you might have spent for something to give to the Lord. And uh, you, should, you should fast, except uh, uh, Dr. Pepper and Snapple are not in the fasting uh, menu this year. Uh, next year, it, it could be. So let's look into this passage and, and see where, what we can find to prepare ourselves for our time of, of uh, reflection. The first uh, outline in your, in your bulletin is the Lenten season is a time of preparation. It's a time of being prepared. Now, in Galatians chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, it says it this way. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions, then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Now, Paul's talking here about the whole idea, and it can be read several ways, and one could read, well, we're to be self-sufficient. That's sort of the American way. If anyone thinks he's something, he's nothing, he deceives himself, each one should test his own actions, take pride in himself. And that sounds like, well, you know, that's pulled yourself up under your own bootstraps. But that's not really what he had in mind. What Paul was trying to say is, and it was a different twist, he was trying to say that what this means is that we're to stress humility in dealing with others, in bearing one another's burdens or load, answering to God himself for what has been done. So really to reflect upon the, the humility of carrying one another's burdens. That's the important part of, of this preparation. Reflecting on your, doing a self-examination and caring for others. As we prepare to fully understand this, then we realize that we're not to become disqualified to Jesus. We're to become qualified, and that's by living in grace and not in judgment. There's a self-examination in preparation that is necessary. It's always good to discipline ourselves. It's always good uh, to listen to the instructions of our doctor. When I got cancer, one of the things that they told me to do was you're to give yourself a self-examination every morning in the shower. And I know they do this for ladies. I know that you are instructed on how to do this as well. Men should do this uh, equally as well. And uh, I do recall um, after the initial uh, time of finding the lumps and having uh, surgery and starting through the chemo when those lumps went away and uh, I was starting into remission, I do recall uh, in the shower uh, checking my neck and uh, the upper part of my body where I was really susceptible to these and feeling a lump. And I remember this on several occasions as they would treat me with a different 
uh, chemotherapy or a different process. And then eventually it ended up having to go back in for some more radical care. And uh, self-examination can save your life. It's a life-saving tool to take and learn how to examine yourself for a physical ailment. Well, self-examination is required that we do self-examination for our soul. And, and this is the preparation for Easter, to think through how we're to examine ourselves so that we are right before God. And when we move into this time of celebration of Christ's resurrection, we do it with a clean heart. We are humble, and we're lifting others up, and we're not doing it for selfish advantage. So it's a powerful time in examining ourselves and making sure we're right before God and we're right before others. A woman uh, lived in a plush suburban neighborhood, and she decided that she was going to go shopping. So she had uh, prepared uh, her, her bag, her purse, uh, to go, and she'd gotten herself all together that day and was on her way out the door, and uh, there was a little bag of garbage there uh, by the uh, door that she would exit, and she said, well, I'll just pick up this bag of garbage and put it in the trash as I go out to get on, to get on the bus for my ride into town. So she put it into her purse and uh, forgot to put it in the trash, and uh, as she's riding on the uh, bus, she uh, started to notice a stench. And she was thinking, my goodness, this, this bus is, boy, I'm going to write a letter to the Metropolitan District about the stench in this bus. And she rolled the window. She, they had windows, and they could open them a little bit. And then she kind of smelled outside a little bit, and she thought, this neighborhood, they ought to take better care of their neighborhood. These people don't care about their neighborhood. Th their neighborhood stinks. And uh, so she went on down to the mall and was shopping around, and it seemed as if every shop she went into, uh, she would kind of smell a little bit and said, my, this shop stinks. I mean, I'm going to have to help these folks out. This is just not uh, subducive to, to very good shopping. I'm not going to want to spend my money here in the condition that I find myself in that day. And as she did that, she, uh, she thought the whole world was actually going to the dog's and the world was just a stinky place. And uh, it was really discouraging to her. She returned home, and she opened up the packages that she had purchased. And then she uh, opened up her purse, and she recognized the source of, her, of the odor. And to her distress, it was not something outside. It was that which she had placed in her purse. And folks, let me tell you, oftentimes you and I, we think, that we smell the stench of the world. We think that other people are dirty. Other people's sin have, uh, have polluted our lives. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes it's our own. It's our own heart. It's our own lack of forgiveness. It's our own lack of humility. It's our own lack of self-examination. Sometimes it comes from within. Let's be sure that when we smell a stench, it's the stench outside of us, and that you and I are living in self-examination with our lives. And so we want to be prepared. And in our passage this morning, and I'm going to read it, uh, I think, uh, think um, Maddie read it out of the New uh, International, but I'm going to, I want you to uh, 
hear it out of the message. 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 5th through the 9th verses. 2 Corinthians, 13th chapter, 5 through 9. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to that. I don't know what page it is in the red one. Does anybody know? Did it happen to have it there? 2 Corinthians 13. Thank you, page 823. Now, it'll be a little different, but just get the, get the nuance here. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in your faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. Isn't that good? That's really good. Boy, the preacher knows about checkups. That's, that's good. You need firsthand evidence, not mere heresy, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. <laughs> Confess. I hope the test won't show that we have failed, but if it comes to that, we'd rather the test show our failures than yours. We're rooted for the truth. We're rooting for the truth to win out in you. We couldn't possibly do otherwise. We don't just put up with our limitations. We celebrate them and then go on to celebrate every strength, every triumph of the truth in you. We pray hard that it will all come together in your lives. Wow. What a wonderful, affirming prayer and a condition that he is speaking to the Corinthian church. And so we are to test ourselves and to see that. So the first thing is preparation, testing. The second one is repentance uh, or discipline is another way to say that in, in preparation for this Lenten season. Uh, I was watching a, uh, an ad on television, and General Electric is in the medical uh, imaging business. Uh, much of the uh, procedures that we have to determine <clears throat> various illnesses and tumors and things related to that, we can, our, our General, uh, General Electric does that. And <clears throat> in the imaging, in the particular ad that I saw, it was a, it was a fascinating one. It uh, was uh, uh, supporting some of this equipment. And uh, someone said in the ad, they said, uh, when we went in for to have our body checked or have my body checked, it was the worst day and the best day of my life. The worst day is they found something. And if I were to have hands raised, many of you have been there when uh, they've said, listen, we see something here. And uh, we're not real sure what it is, but there's a, there's a mass here or there's a lump here or there's a, there's a, a lymph node that's swollen or, or something of that nature. And we know about that. And then it's the best day of, of my life, the, uh, the ad said, because they were able to locate where it was and remove it, and the person then um, was healed from that disease that could have taken over their body and killed them. So diagnosis, uh, in, in looking at uh, how we should, uh, when something's gnawing at us or something's inside us, we need to recognize what it is and get it out. And that, 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 that thing, that bitterness, that anger, that, that source that's inside, it, this whole idea of, of Easter season and Lenten season is get rid of that stuff. Uh, give that to Jesus. Uh, plead that thing out. Pray that thing through. Uh, get with someone. Get released from that. Don't let that thing carry you. You carry it. And uh, it's gone. And be fresh and real and a 
approach the throne this time and approach Easter with a freshness and with a grace that is new and dynamic in your life, and, and not with the guilt and the burden and the heaviness that we sometimes uh, have in our life because we think we're unforgiven. If you have claimed Christ as your Savior, you have opened up your heart in everything you know. Let me tell you something. You are forgiven. You just are. Or else he didn't die and raise again. I mean, you're going ahead, you're negating the whole deal. You're saying, well, it counts for everybody but me. Oh, you think you're that special? <laughs> Nobody's so special that that grace didn't touch them. It is for all of us, every one of us, and every person. And so this idea of penance really is that gnawing distress that's inside, that conscience that, uh, that is coming from within that says there's something that we need to deal with. We need to get it examined. We need to find out what it is, and we need to ask Christ to forgive us. We need to get with counseling so that we can separate that from our daily lives and our daily activity and that thing that just uh, that controls us. Be free. Sleep well. I mean, put in about eight hours under the covers. It's really a nice feeling. And uh, it's what Christ has uh, asked us to do in being released from these kinds of burdens. So that's kind of what that's about. Got some gnawing thing in your life? You know, that distress? It's, it's a very interesting thing how that gnaws on us. Sometimes our lives are not consistent with our testimony. Sometimes uh, there's private areas of our world that are not submitted to Christ. And when there's private areas of our world that are not submitted to Christ, those, that gnaws on us. And you know it just, you just know it, but you think, I hope no one else does. Oh, come on, everybody does. You say, well, wait a minute. No one knows my private world. Oh, yes, they do. Certainly God knows. We may not know what it is that's in your private world that's gnawing at you, but People around you that love you know that something's gnawing at you. Something's got a hold of you. And when that's not freedom and grace and love, then we know that it's something that's controlling you. And it is, it is Christ's desire for your life that you be free from all of that. And that's all part of Lent. That's all part of preparation. The fellow was sitting at a stop sign, and uh, the lady in front of him was uh, going through her text messages on her phone. Notice, have you noticed that? And uh, she was just having a great old time, just pushing buttons and, and totally focused. And the light turns green, which is a command to go. But it didn't bother her. She was still texting. So the guy was behind. He, <clears throat> he waited for a while as she was trying to figure out what was going on. And then he started to get so angry. He started just to thump on the steering wheel and scream and yell. His window was up and cussing and just going on and on and on about this woman doing her text messaging and having to go through a whole sequence of the signals. It, it was just, uh, it was strange to watch. Well, it so happens there was a policeman right behind the man. So there was the woman at the red light and green light and red light, and then there was this <clears throat> guy that was in a rage, and then there was the police officer observing all this. About that time, the guy was just in an absolute redneck rage and uh, with blood vessels just popping out of his neck. This officer walks up, taps on the window. He's got his gun drawn. And uh, the guy's just freaked. And he says, roll down your window. He rolls it down. He, he, says, uh, he says, the guy, he says, uh, you're under arrest. And he arrests the guy. And the guy says, you can't arrest me for yelling in my own car. Whatever I said is for me <coughs> to hear. 
It has nothing to do with anybody else. That's not probable cause. Boy, are you in trouble. So the officer hooks him up, takes him in, puts him in the cell. A couple hours later, the officer comes back and says, okay, you're free to go. The guy says, oh, he says, oh, boy. He said, you're really in trouble. He says, you had no reason to arrest me. He said, why did you arrest me? And the officer says, well, he said, you know, I, I, wa I watched how you were just enraged about that woman in front of you. And he said, yeah, but that's not against the law. And the officer says, no, it's not against the law. But I also noticed there was a cross on your, uh, your rearview mirror. And then there was a, a little fish sign on your bumper. And then you had a little, uh, a little sticker there that says, Jesus is coming soon. And then you said, uh, repent. There was all these little things on your bumper. And, and, and by looking at that, I, I was completely aware of what all those things mean. So obviously, you must have stolen that car. <laughs> Time of preparation. Time of being what we are. Time of confessing. A time of living, living it out. Uh, what are the things that stress you? What is it that seems to control you? What can you put into the hands of Christ today and be free to celebrate during these 40 days? What are the things that take your eyes off of Christ? So there's preparation, there's penance, and that's that conviction of bringing it out. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and again, I'll use the message. <clears throat> it helps us to see this. It says it this way. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, and it's talking about that whole uh, hall of faith, these the great pioneers of the faith. It says, all of these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, supporting us, wow. It means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. I, I thought that was interesting. The message would use the word fat, just after Fat Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, no parasitic uh, Sins, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that you're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish, finish in with, with God. He could put up with anything along the way, a cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself uh, fledgling in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. How many have been watching the Winter Olympics? Boy, I've been watching it. It's amazing. I, I can't imagine going down a hill at, at 80 miles an hour and, and calling that fun. Yeah, boy, I, I tell you, there, of course, there were times in my life probably I, I would have. But uh, now I look at, I, I just think about broken bones, and, and, and I think about uh, uh, bruising yourself to where it doesn't heal, you know, for six months, or about having to get a new hip or something like that. I think about those things. I never did before. Uh, did you? And so, uh, but I noticed that, um, that there's, a certain, there's a certain something about uh, success. And when these, when these kids get this... Uh, this gold or this silver or this bronze, uh, and they stand on the podium, there is a pride in that. And, and what, what, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say, that when we really finish that race, Jesus did it, with, and he finished it well. We need to finish it well. And, and that's the goal, that we would finish it well. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's a gold medal 
I mean, it's first place. You're either first or, or you're not in it. And uh, it's for all of us. It's a blue ribbon. This is a run. And uh, for some of you say, man, it's 90 miles an hour down the hill. Yeah, I'll bet it is. I'll bet it is. And some of you have had some bumps. You know, what, what do they call those things, those, those deals? Moguls? Yeah. Did you watch their legs? Did you, did you think about this? After about three or four of those moguls, after they're absorbing that, you're thinking, oh, my goodness. I couldn't, I couldn't absorb one of those moguls at that rate. They're doing like six or eight or ten, and they keep going. They're going so fast. And I wouldn't have the strength, and they do, and you kind of think about that. And their life is just filled with moguls. And some of you have had more than your share. And some of you, uh, some of you have crashed, and your skis have come off, and uh, all of that, and uh, you put them back on. And so we recognize that, uh, that that discipline is an important part of it. So the third uh, preparation for, for our Lenten season is prayer. To prepare, we need to be a people of prayer. So first preparation, second penance or conviction, listening to God and clearing that up. Third, it's prayer. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, a very familiar passage, uh, it, it really helps us to, to be reminded about the humility of it. And in thinking about that, uh, many people give extra time to personal and public prayer during this period of time. In the 5th century, Christians were known to make, uh, to make dough and, with salt and flour, and they shaped it into a form of two crossed arms. You know where the pretzel comes from? Like this. So that's what it was. It was a reminder of Lent. It was a reminder to be in prayer. So, as an extra little gift today, because you've come, not only do you get Snapple, or do you get Dr. Pepper, you get a pretzel. And this pretzel is to remind you to pray during these 40 days. And so, as you see the symbol, and uh, you can eat it if you want, you can already have the prayer today and eat it, uh, or you can put it somewhere it reminds you to pray. Reminds you to humbly pray before the Lord during these 40 days. So keep that in mind. And it's a great tradition. And uh, little things along the way kind of remind us. And uh, those are important for us. And so 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... Will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land? You want to be healed? Here it is. Humble yourself. Seek the face of God. It is so holy. It is so powerful. In the Old Testament, no one had seen God. And then Jesus came. And now we embrace him. Move from distance to familiarity. Move from the unattainable to having him live within us through in his Holy Spirit, actually possessing our lives. Man, this is great stuff. The fourth preparation for Lent is that we share, is that we share our faith, and we recognize the need to do that. Uh, Colossians helps us that, to understand that. God wanted everyone, Colossians 1.27, and again, I'll give it to you, the message, and you can look it up in your, in your NIV or your other translation as well. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret. Not just people from Covina. Not just 
uh, white or brown or black Americans, not just, but he wanted not just Jews to know the rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of his or her background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery, in a nutshell, is just this. Christ is in you, so therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That's the substance of our message. In the Old Testament, there was this view that God dwelt among the people of Israel. But we've recognized that that includes now the Gentiles, most of us here. And indeed, a personal level to all of us, within us. Many feel we're not worthy. Well, I'm not. But you see, I can't deny his grace just because I know that I'm unworthy. That's saying that he can't penetrate my humanness or my sin. He does penetrate it. I am not worthy, but he gives it to me. And he gives it to me, and he wants me to embrace it and to live in it. So even though I'm not worthy, I get it. And I get to embrace it, and I get to own it, and I get to live in it, and I get to rejoice in it, and I get to have a hope in it. So, no, I'm not worthy, and you are not either. But I'm not going to deny the grace of God that wants to penetrate my life, and he wants to penetrate yours. You might be the one who says, I can't get it. I have lived a life that has been unworthy. Well, welcome to the human race. You say, but you don't know what I've done. I, yeah, I do. And I don't think there's anybody here that's done anything that I'm not aware of. But even if I'm not, God knows and you know. And he still says, I want to get inside you even in a greater way. I want to fill you up. Anything that's empty, I want to go ahead and close the gap. Sometimes we call that sanctification. It's simply giving yourself totally and wholly to Christ. And we want to share this with others. And so this Lenten season is a time to start conversation and to have, have some discussion and to start to think about who we would pray for and, and, and how to cleanse ourselves so that we are good tools and how we would bring people to Christ and even to hear the message on Easter Sunday morning of Christ's resurrection and his forgiveness. His name is Bill. He's a college student and had gone on to the university. During that time, one of the campus clubs there, uh, Navigators or InterVarsity or Crusade or one of those great organizations, had, had been in contact with him. He was an intellectual, bright kid. But uh, kind of his own person, kind of dressed his own way and only had like one change of clothes to, to go to college. It didn't matter to him. Kind of a throwback into the 60s. But Bill was a, was a kid that was really seeking, seeking God. And so he'd come to know Christ in his, in his life and through that campus club, it had really motivated him to go to church. So there was a big, beautiful church across the street from the university. He decided he would go over there to church on a Sunday morning. He says, I'm going to just go with Christians. This is going to be great. So he walks in about the time that the church is just beginning, and uh, not a church that would be dissimilar to this one. Um, and as he was started down the aisle, he noted that all the seats were taken, and uh, there, were, there were no empty chairs. And so he started down the center aisle and kind of kept looking and kept looking and kept looking, and there weren't any, and there wasn't even any on the front row. Can you imagine that? Boy, there must have been a revival going on. It's not been the case here for a while. We've got to get on those front rows. So he thought, well, I'll just, I'll just sit down. So he sat down right in front of the preacher. 
And she's there with the Bible, kind of looking up. They'd finished some, uh, the hymn or, or two, and, and uh, the preacher kind of froze, and he was about ready to preach a sermon, didn't know what to do. And at that moment, one of the uh, elders of the church, an 80-something-year-old gentleman that wore his suit to church and was a very distinguished uh, man and man of quite a, a bit of influence in the church, he walked with a cane, and this man got up in the back as a deacon, as, a, as an usher, and everybody thought, well, he'll take care of, of the situation. So the gentleman started to walk all the way from the back, very slowly. You could hear the click of the cane as he walked up. Came all the way to the very, very front. Preacher still doesn't know what to do, doesn't know what to say, hasn't talked. He's just kind of standing there frozen. Everybody's frozen. And they're watching the elderly gentleman come up. Then the, uh, the gentleman sets his cane down, and with great trouble, he kneels and he sits beside Bill. Preacher, standing in the pulpit then, saw that. Everyone was choked up as they recognized what had happened. Instead of judgment, there was care and love. And the preacher said this, what I'm about to preach to you, you'll never remember. What you have just seen, you will never forget. May our sharing of Jesus Christ be love that is so powerful, so penetrating, that people will never forget your love, your sharing, your grace, your forgiveness, your acceptance, your care. Oh, that we would live out a Lenten season in the grace of Jesus Christ, in the power of his grace. So let us not forget. Bill Hybel said it this way in a book called Becoming a Contagious Christian. He said, in their heart of hearts, I think all true followers of Christ long to become contagious Christians through un, though unsure about how to do so or the risk involved, deep down they sense that there isn't anything as rewarding as opening a person up to God's love and truth. Jesus said it this way, I came to seek and to save the lost. And then just before he left, he said, as the Father has sent me, I commission." you. So during this time of Lent, we should reflect upon the scriptures, reflect upon the grace of Christ, and remember in Psalm 139, a couple of verses that you know, and it's in music form. It's a song that we ought to sing every day of our lives. The psalmist said it this way, David, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Let's sing this song as a prayer. May this be the beginning of these 40 days for us of just consecration to God, that he would search us, he would help us locate areas, and then we can turn those over to him and there can be repentance and holiness in our lives. And boy, when we approach Easter, 
We'll do it with arms outstretched and with the glory of recognizing his resurrection and have someone sitting next to us that may not have had that grace yet that would receive that even during this period of time. What a wonderful, wonderful season this is. Be mindful that he sent you and me for this message.